You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. And today we are going to be talking about getting ready for fair season and specifically if you're going to be showing a pig and your project pig. How do you pick that pig out? What do you look for? What do you do about feed when you bring it home? And whether this is the first year that you or one of your kids is going to be showing a pig, or if you've been doing it for a few years, but you'd like to get some expert advice to improve your selection process, we've got great information for you today. We have a special guest coming on who raises and sells Project Pigs in Idaho, who will give us all a great bit of advice on this selection process today. And we'll start that interview right after a word from our sponsor. A well-worn pair of Danner boots has become a hallmark for hard-working and hard-playing people in the West, and everywhere else for that matter. Find your next pair of long-lasting, great-looking, made-in-the-USA Danner boots at D&B Supply. Hold a Danner boot in your hand, and you'll notice the handcrafted precision. Try it on, and you'll feel the difference. Test it against the elements, and you'll appreciate the value of a product that's built to last. From classic hiking boots to handcrafted work boots to fashion-forward looks to fit your daily life, stop on by D&B Supply to try Danner boots on for size. During calving season, your livestock operation really comes alive. On your ranch, be born ready with Powder River Livestock Handling Equipment, available at D&B Supply. For almost 80 years, Powder River has stood out as leaders in the livestock handling field with continuous equipment innovation to help ranchers work up close with their livestock safely and with minimal stress. To bring your calves into the world, then bring them upright, stop on by select D&B Supply stores for Powder River Livestock Handling handling equipment. Joining us now is Scott Ethington from the Ethington Swine Farm in Emmett, Idaho. Scott, thank you so much for coming on and helping us out with this episode today. You bet. Thanks for inviting me. Well, I'm glad to speak with you and and you know, we've got a prior relationship. I have bought uh, a sow from you and talked to you before about pigs and things like that, and that's why your name popped to mind so quickly when it when we decided to do this episode about how a 4-H or an FFA student should go about selecting their pig for their project this time of the year. So happy to have you on as our expert today. Thanks. I appreciate that, Matt. All right. Well, here's how we like to start, Scott. And really what we like to do is to have you kind of introduce yourself to our listeners and just kind of give us your story. What is what is it about you, your family, your farm, where you've come from and things like that? Well, I was raised down between Twin Falls and Burley on a farm there on a dairy farm. When I was oh, 12 or 13, I took several pigs for several years to the uh, Twin Falls County Fair. And I had so much fun doing it and kind of got out of it, got out of it as I got older. Oh, 25 years later or so, I got back into it. I own my own farm up here in Emmett, between Emmett and New Plymouth. I felt a desire to get back into pigs, and that was about 10 years ago. And so I, I, I knew the breed that I wanted to have at that time. Now, it has changed a little bit from 10 years ago. I raised Durox back on my farm, and I was really into that. And so I, for about five years, just concentrated on, concentrated on growing the very best Durox that I could find. I mean, I went down to Oklahoma. I went back to Illinois and bought Durox there and brought them back and just concentrated on that. And in the last five or six years, I 
got into selling 4-H end of things, the 4-H and FFA end of things, and I'm sure you'll ask me a few questions on that later, but that's how it took place. Well, absolutely. And yeah, in full disclosure, I mean, you're one of the people in our listening area who is selling pigs. And, uh, you know, we, we've talked about this already, but you've got such a good reputation. I've had so many people recommend you to me that I, I wanted you to have on. And I know that the advice you're going to give us today is is not just going to help 4-H and FFA competitors, although I know it's going to help them immensely, but it's going to help other people who are selling pigs to these kids as well. One thing I have learned doing it the last 11 years is Idaho is not a state where there's very much pork production. And so I've relied heavily the last 10 years, uh, you know, especially the first five years that I was doing it, I relied very heavily on knowledge from people back in Iowa and a good friend of mine that lives down in uh, Twin Falls area. Uh, and the two of us, uh, we really figured it out and we can uh, answer or tell you about any question or, you know, answer about any question you've got is if it's related to pigs. Well, and that's right. You know, my last check is that the University, University of Idaho, we did not have an extension agent that specialized in pork and swine. And so really Idaho doesn't have necessarily that type of agricultural resource when it comes to pigs like other states do. And so that's kind of led me to see this community of people who are raising pigs in Idaho that rather than looking at each other as competition, they really consider themselves more of a community. Yeah, that is true. He was kind of my mentor for a bit down there in the Twin Falls area. You know, the two of us have become very, very good friends over the past 10 years, and we definitely do not look at it as competition as far as, you know, in terms of helping each other out and making sure that each other exceed with our businesses or succeed with our businesses. So, yeah, we, we help each other out. Okay. Well, it's obvious from you introducing yourself to us that you love pigs and you've got a passion for pigs. But of course, you know, this is real life and this is a business and choosing pigs as a business in Idaho as compared to other farming options. You know, there's a lot to weigh there. So with all the other options you have and and other businesses that you've owned and that you've run, why did you choose pigs? How did you see that as a way to have a viable business here in, in Emmett and in our Treasure Valley? I started doing pigs 11 years ago as a hobby. It was kind of a passion. I farm a couple of hundred acres up here, and it was just a passion and something for me to kind of go out and relax and uh, look at them for a bit and just enjoy. That And that is the honest truth. That was a lot of fun. And then I, I was dumping more money than, than uh, I probably want to admit or think about how much money I dumped into them. I spent a lot of money on them and I started thinking, you know, I, I probably ought to start treating this like a business. That was probably probably about seven years ago when I started thinking, you know, I am spending quite a bit of money in this hobby. I need to start treating it as a business. And so that's when things kind of changed. And that is also the point where I got into the 4-H and FFA sale of pigs. Mm -hmm. That's how that began. Well, so, that's a way, and, and you know this as well as anybody, that a lot of businesses begin is that somebody's got a passion for something and they've got a talent in it, and those are kind of two legs of a three-legged stool. 
And until you get that third leg, which is getting it to generate revenue and being able to have it sustain itself, it's a hobby and it's not a business. And so obviously you got to the point where you said, all right, well, this needs to turn into a business. Otherwise, this is uh, probably too time consuming and too money consuming of a hobby. Yeah. And that that is exactly what took place right there. There is a lot of time spent doing it. Not a ton of time, but there is, there is, there definitely is some time. And then the other thing is, is, you know, my hobby, I had six pigs and then I woke up and all of a sudden I've got 20, 20 sows, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. uh, now I've got a lot more than that. Now, when I had 20 sows, I thought, you know, they are eating a lot of corn and I do produce the corn right here off my place. I, I start, I need to start treating it as a business. And that, that is what I did. So I started looking at ways in my production of pigs, in the breeding of my sows, and how I wanted my sow herd to look, I started looking at ways that I could cut costs and increase revenue. And that is what I did. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, Scott, let's take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we'll jump into questions uh, that'll help people select their pigs for their upcoming projects. Okay. That sounds great. Good nutrition can mean the difference between best in show and better not go. So how can you make sure your future prize-winning livestock is getting exactly what it needs to succeed? Seasoned showmen and women use Neutrina Show Edge. Neutrina Show Edge provides a simple program that gives you the edge in the ring, so you can focus on what it takes to be a winner. Neutrina Show Edge livestock feeds and supplements, available at your local D&B Supply. Know how to work it on and off the job? Wear Dickies with jeans, pants, shirts, and more made for all you hardworking, good-looking types. Find what's fit to be worn at D&B. Since 1922, Dickies has been making it work with denim and other duds that go the distance. These days, Dickies comes in all fits, fabrics, styles, and sizes, but one core thing holds true. They sure do hold up. When you want to wear it well without wearing it out, pick up some Dickies at D&B Supply. All right, Scott. Well, now that we're back, let's talk a little bit about selection of 4-H pigs. And I've got a number of questions here for you. I don't know if they're all in the perfect order or not, but let's just jump in. And I, the the thing I was thinking about to start with is how many months prior to a show date or how many days even prior to a show date should a person be buying their 4-H or their FFA pig? In Idaho, most of our shows are in the end of July, they start around the middle to the end of July, and then they go till September 1st. That's probably 90. All of them that I know in Idaho, that is the dates on them. That means you're going to be basically, as far as when you're going to be picking your pigs up from the farmer, it will be between March 15th to April 15th. That's when you, you pick them up. With, with that, Matt, your pigs typically at that uh, time period, they will be around. 45 to 85 pounds in weight. We, we have listeners as well over in eastern Oregon, and I don't know the dates of their fairs. I assume they're probably around the same time, but is there a daily gain type of ratio we should be using to, to come up with how many days we have until the show date and our target weight and what the pig weighs now and what we anticipate it's going to be gaining during that time? Yeah, yeah, there is. And that is something, that would be a good question to ask your breeder, uh, the person that is raising the pig, that you're going, going to buy the pig from, because there are pigs that will, uh, that will vary. The average daily gain typically is around 1.4 up to about 2 pounds a day. 
that is something you will want to ask the farmer, the guy you buy it from, because that does vary. So you, that is a very good question to ask him at the time. And what do you tell your customers in terms of what weight they should be shooting for when they get that pig to the show date? Well, first, let's go over what generally is the minimum weight that they need to be to be able to compete. Okay. Most fares are around 220 pounds. Some fares are 230 pounds. And then generally, it goes up to 290 to 300 pounds until they go into the overweight classes. Our fare, for example, which is Gem County, the overweight class starts at 300 pounds, and they still get to sell it. You know, it's a heavier class. So they like to see in between that. Perfect weight is, in my opinion, is between uh, 260 and 280 pounds. Okay. And, and, and the reason why I say that, that is the point on most crossbreds where the skeleton holds the weight the best. So between that 260 and 280 pounds, when they hit that 300-pound mark, now there are a lot of pigs that handle 300 mm-hmm. pounds, that will, ha- that will handle that 300 pounds without any problem whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times when they get past that 300 pounds, they're starting to get a little bit flabby in the jowls, a little bit flabby all over the body. Okay. Let me ask you this. When when a, a student, you know, an FFA, a 4-H competitor, when they're going out to select a pig and they're looking at a group of pigs on somebody's farm or something like that, and they're looking at two pigs of equal weight, but maybe there's a week in disparity of age, should age make much of a difference to them on the selection when they're looking at two pigs of equal weight? That is something you want to talk to your breeder about. And your breeder generally will be upfront with you on that. A lot of times in your litters of pigs, you will have a couple of pigs that are slower growers, and they typically will tend to be slower growers all the way throughout. And so if a pig is two weeks behind another pig, that is the same weight, you can rest assured that that pig that is younger but is the same weight as the other pig generally will pass that pig right up. Okay. So that that is a very good question to ask your breeder. How old is this pig, and do you think this is going to be a slower grower or a fast grower? Okay. So for the for the parent that's possibly listening to this show or the, the 4-H or the FFA, member who's listening to this show, if they've never done this before, what I'm getting right now from you is that they don't want to walk into somebody's barn or into somebody's sale and simply just pick out the biggest or the heaviest pig. They really want to look at some of these other factors in terms of uh, how old that pig is and how many days you have until show. That is true. I I do want to point out, uh, maybe give a couple of tidbits of advice here. Yeah. I mean, A, you can always talk to your breeder. Your breeder in the hog industry, most everybody is very forthright and open and honest on any information about the pigs. But secondly, you as a a, a, a prospective buyer, one thing that you want to do, and this is just some advice, Look at that pig. If that pig is a hairy, uh, if he's got thick hair on it, coarse hair, mm-hmm. stay away from it. A pig that has got thick or coarse hair or scaly skin generally is a sicker pig or he's been raised out in very cold conditions. A, a healthy pig is going to have more of a shiny skin and less hair. And that those are the type of pigs you want to that you, you should be interested. Now, later on in your show, Matt, maybe you're going to want to ask me a few uh, a few questions on what the kids can do or the, uh, you know, the, the FFA student or the 4-H student can do as far as uh, keeping their pig healthy and keeping them from getting that coarse hair 
or that scaly skin, and, I, and because that is directly related to the health of the pig. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So I did not realize that longer hair on a pig was an indication of poor health. Not all of the time. It is the, that is a definite indicator on how the pig is being raised and taken care of. Okay. Okay, and so, you know, we're really talking here about the whole argument of nature versus nurture a little bit, and I realize that a, an FFA or an, a 4-H member, they've only got, you know, five months to get this pig ready into its best condition and ready to win that show. So how much, you're talking about an indication, you know, with scaly skin or longer hair that the pig's been raised outside, so... Do the pigs with good genetics, will they overcome that? And why Why is the pig starting its life off outside? Why is that necessarily a detriment? First, I wanted to make a few clarifications. Generally, the kids around here have between 100 and 110 days from the time they pick their pig up to, from the breeder to the time they show it. Okay. So that's the time period, about 100 to 110 days. And then to answer your second question on will the pig's genetics overcome being raised outside, the answer would be sometimes. A pig that is cared for and raised in optimal conditions is always going to do better and raised on proper feed. And that's also something, Matt, I hope later on in the discussion that you'll talk to me, you'll ask me a few questions about because that makes a huge difference on how your pig performs. But uh, the, the show market the uh, exposition market as far as exhibiting your pig at a fair has really changed. It's changed over the last, it's changed in the last five years here, but it's really changed from over the last 20 years. And it makes a big difference. The pigs that are, that are really, you know, raised out and uh, these pig pens that have, you know, got uh, pools of mud in them, they're, mm-hmm. they're not going to go in the show ring and compete like a pig that has been cared for, that has had, you know, a very clean pen and a pen that has got maybe a ten, the temperature fluctuations aren't so great, you know, and also a pig that's raised out in the sun, that is a little bit harder on them, although they'll do fine and sun is good for pigs. It's just that you start getting your temperature fluctuations in there. You start, a pig is very susceptible to sunburn, just like you and I are. Mm-hmm. Um, your darker pigs are a little bit better than your white pigs are. Your white pigs tend to get burned very easy. And so these are all factors. I, for example, my kids, my kids all show pigs. Our, our pigs are all inside the barn. They all go out for walks every day, but they are all raised inside the barn, and it does make a big difference. Okay. Well, that's a great tip, and this is great information. Scott, let's take another quick break, and then we'll come back, and we'll start talking a little bit about body condition. Sounds good. Say you were to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing? For horseback riders of all styles, nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat. Available at D&B Supply. Everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian Olympians turn to Ariat with confidence. You can count on them too. Think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the West. When you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop on by your favorite D&B Supply. 
Is your dog's true nature shining through, along with a shiny coat, too? Find out by filling up your pet's bowl with Purina One True Instinct Dog Food, available at D&B Supply. Purina One True Instinct gets back to nature and back to basics. Inspired by your dog's gut instinct to naturally choose nutrient-dense food, the expert nutritionists at Purina One developed a recipe that puts pure protein front and center. Let your dog's coat shine through by dishing out Purina One True Instinct Dog Food, available at your favorite d and Supply. All right, Scott. Well, let's jump back in by talking about body condition for a second. So, you know, when when an FFA or a 4-H member is going out to select their project pig, should they be looking at body condition that closely, like muscling and things like that when the pig is at that age? Yes, they should. What I like to do on a pig is start from the ground up. And what what I mean by that by that is start from the feet and start examining the pig upwards. Does the pig walk straight? Does he have bent legs? You know, is does he carry his look from those front legs out, those front shoulders back through his rump? You know, how does it look? And 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 a lot of people have got a a very good idea. I've got a good perception of of you know being able to just look at that pig and say that pig looks good, and the one next to it doesn't look so good. You know, it, it, it uh, and then the other thing is, is if you don't, if you're not that good out on it, rely off your breeder, ask him, he will be honest with you and, and ask him, what do you think about this pig compared to that pig? And he'll be honest. Okay. Well, and I was thinking about this question because it's hard to describe this just listening to somebody without looking at examples. But I did find that there's several extension services that have stuff out on the internet where people can look at that and they can at least look at diagrams and then photographs, still photographs of pigs to get an idea of what, you know, it means for it to be too wide in the front or too narrow in the back or whatever it may be. They do. And there's also the uh, Idaho pork producers. I think, I, I do think they've got a website. You can Google just Put in pork producers, and you can Google Google that, and it will give you some pretty uh, detailed pictures of what a good-looking pig should look like. And you can go to type in show pig, and a lot of images will come up, and it won't take you long to figure out what it should look like. But again, if you've got questions, talk to your breeder. Okay, excellent. Now, what breeds of pigs do you see having the most success in the show ring? First, I want to kind of make a clarification. There has become somewhat of a separation between uh, show pigs or pigs for exhibit versus commercial pigs that you're going to see in Costco or Albertsons. Okay. There is a there is a difference. They all go oink and they've all got four legs, but their body their bodies are different. Mm-hmm. I wish there wouldn't be such a difference, but there is, there is breeds that are having the most success in the show ring here in Idaho. And in Idaho, we pretty much just put all breeds in the show ring back in the Midwest where it's pig country, hog country, they show by breed. But here in Idaho, where we put all the pigs in the show rings, it's typically what's called a crossbred. And that is where you're taking several purebreds. You're taking either a Hampshire and a Yorkshire, you're breeding them and that gives you what's called a blue butt. It gives you a white pig with blue spots on its on its butt mm-hmm. or on its body, but generally on its butt. And that's why they're called a blue butt. But your crossbred pigs, pigs that are crossed, generally are doing better in the show ring. 
and you're getting that heterosis bred into the pigs, and that's that's why that's why they tend to excel. Oftentimes, your you know purebreds do very well in the show ring, also, but it typically is your crossbreds. Okay. Well, let's let's shift it a little bit and talk about where our 4-H and our FFA members should do their shopping or how they should do their shopping, for lack of a better term. How many different breeders or places do you suggest that a person go to and look at before they make their final decision on purchasing a project pig? That really depends on uh, how comfortable they feel with their breeder. If they feel that that breeder has got uh, high-quality pigs and they feel that their questions are being answered, sometimes you only go to one place. I know that when I started off, I went to one place. I did ask around, who do you think is one of the best breeders in the state? Several people came and said a certain person, and I looked that person out. That's what I did. I I had already had a few references, and and that's why I ended up with with that person. Now, if you don't feel comfortable or you do not feel that the quality is there when you go to their place, then keep looking. Go until you find what it is you're looking for, especially if you have an idea of what you want. The pig industry has changed in the last uh, five years, especially. It's become extremely competitive. In Treasure Valley and in Idaho, there are some darn good breeders. We have got breeders here in this valley that can stack up against anybody in the nation, and that is a tall task to do when you you know, when you figure that uh, we are so outnumbered in the pigs we raise here. But there are really some breeders in the Treasure Valley that you could take their pigs to a national show, mm-hmm. and uh, they're going to do very well. They're going to do very well at these national shows. Oh, that's great. Now, that that brings me to an, another great question. So you're talking about choosing the crossbred, getting comfortable with your breeder, should the should the 4-H or the FFA members, should they request to see the dam and the sire if it's available before selecting the pig that they're going to take to the fair? I don't see that as a very big deal. You know, if I was going to buy one as a breeder, then mm-hmm. I would. Or to breed, then I would. But if I'm just taking one to show, I don't see it as a big deal unless you know what you're looking at. Now, a a breeder could go back and look at that sow and look at that boar and have a good idea of, of what it should look like. But for uh, for someone who has not been around pigs a whole bunch, it, that's going to be a difficult task because a boar a boar's shoulders broaden so much and they get so just so beefy and kind of ugly. And the same with a sow, you know, sow doesn't, you know, they just change so much when they're older. Okay. Well, great. I'll tell you what. Scott, let's take another break, and when we come back, let's jump into a feed discussion. Okay, that sounds great. Hamilton Carhartt started sweating the details back in 1889. Carhartt started to stitch together workwear made to stand up to steel, smoke, and the Industrial Revolution. Ever since, Carhartt gear has survived in the most rugged corners of the world and thrived in the harshest conditions at work or home. In 1959, a couple of fellas named Dutch and Bud set up their first supply shop in Idaho to outfit people in the West with only the best. When you need the stuff of legends, even just to make it through the workday, stop in for some Carhartt at your favorite D&B Supply. Know what boots work as hard as you do? 
Georgia Boots, available to try on for size at D&B Supply. If you're on your feet all day, Georgia Boots knows the feeling. That's why they've designed exclusive comfort systems that cushion and support down to the bottom of your soles. While on the surface, they shield you from tough conditions with one of the most durable leathers out there. See why they earned the nickname of America's Hardest Working Boots and pick up a pair of Georgia Boots at your favorite D&B Supply. Okay, Scott. Well, I know you wanted to talk about feed, and I've I've got a question that I think will prompt this discussion. So, should the should the 4-H or the FFA members should they ask to see, or at least to know, what kind of starter ration that their pig has been fed before they buy it? Yes, they definitely should. That is an that that uh, right there will separate the winners from the people that lose. Your feed quality. And yes, you can start a pig on uh, a more of what I like to call a commercial feed. But when you are selling pigs for show, they need to be on a, a feed that is formulated for show pigs. And the, but the and, and the difference is, is a it does cost it does cost a bit more money for show feed. But the difference is, is your your lysine levels, your protein that builds that muscle and gives it that show look is is a lot higher and your fats are typically higher too and when you get into your lysine levels and your fats that is that is why it costs more is those uh your lysine costs that comes in the form of soybean blood meal fish meal and your fats your fats cost too so your fats over a dollar a pound hmm. so it is expensive to put that stuff in but that is what your show animals need they will live and they will grow just fine on a commercial feed but they will not look the same. Okay. And you mentioned lysine a number of times. Can you tell our listeners why that's important for a pig to have in their feed ration? First of all, your show pig, your starter feeds uh, are different from your finishing feeds. You start from a protein level of generally between 22 down to about 20% in your starter feed. And uh, they do have lysines. And as I said before, your little pigs, they need to get their lysine in different forms when they're smaller because they don't have the enzymes in their stomach to to digest the ly- the, the lysine um, as little pigs. So they get you've got to get it in different forms, in forms that they can digest. And then as they get older, you'll still give them lysine, lysine, but it'll be the levels, of course, will decrease. But they can handle the soybeans which is a, uh, a high source of lysine also. Why lysine is, is so important to an animal is, is lysine, of course, is a protein. It's an amino acid that builds this pig's muscle and gives it the shape that it needs. And after that pig hits uh, 80 to 100 pounds, and certainly after it hits 140 pounds, it has developed the muscle that it's going to take through its 260 to 280 pound mark. So you can't take a pig from 140 pounds and say, oh, okay, now I'm going to feed it perfect and and expect to have that muscle develop that should have been developed as a little pig and have it there at showtime at 260 pounds. It won't happen. So that's why you've got to start feeding them these high-end feeds from the beginning. Okay. And when do you suggest changing feeds? You mentioned a, a beginner feed or a starter feed and then a finishing feed and that type of thing. So should you change the feed ration on your pig the day you bring it home, or should you get some of that that uh, the person you're purchasing your pig from has been using and keep it on that ration for a little while? You should keep it on feed that your breeder has 
has recommended. Typically at 80 to 90 pounds, you can take it off the starter feeds and kind of change it into a grower feed. And that grower feed, you will feed it from that 80 to 100 pound mark. And you'll take that into about the the 200 pound weight class. And then from there on out, you'll be giving it a a, uh, a finishing feed. Now that uh, that finishing feed will be decreasing the protein because what your proteins do in terms of uh, in terms of feed is the higher the protein, the more the pig will look muscly. So if you're if you're feeding a pig, say 24% protein, which is really really high, and you're feeding that to a pig that's 200 250 pounds, that pig is going to look so lean and so ripped and actually it will slow down its rate of growth a lot of times too mm-hmm. because it's just too high of protein so that is why you will change you will change that pig you'll change its feed according to I mean, when you're bringing it to show date you will lower the protein typically between that 16 and a half to 18 percent mark now there are gills which is a is a female pig for those that aren't uh, that don't know mm-hmm. you a lot of your gilts tend to be a little harder to begin with, and so sometimes there will be gilts that are brought in on 13.5 to 14% protein to make them soften up and look the part and fill out. I've done that before too, but typically between 16.5% protein to 18% is where most most people will bring them to fare on. Okay. And that brings up a great question, and the next one I've got in the list here. So for a market hog going to the fair, is there an advantage to purchasing a barrow uh, or a castrated male over a gilt? You know, there really isn't. My kids take generally take a gilt and a barrow. Uh, they take two pigs, and they generally choose a male and a female on each. There, There is no difference. When you're picking out a pig from your breeder, look at body, look at body conformation, and talk to him on which one his opinion is of which is the better of the two. That's, okay. It makes no difference, the sex. Okay. Well, I want to ask you about a couple terms in terms of looking at pigs and kind of judging their quality and see if you can explain them to our listeners a little bit. The first one is depth of body. What does that mean to you? Well, depth of body is when you're profiling the pig, when uh, when you're looking at the profile of the pig. And how I generally do it is you'll look under, you know, from right behind the front legs, look how deep that body sits. And generally, a a, a pig that's got a lot of depth of body will generally take that depth and carry it all the way back to the, to the, you know, to the back legs. I mean, it'll be nice in depth, whereas the a pig that is shallow there will not have that depth, and it'll also be sucked up a bit in the stomach area. Okay. And and I've read a little bit about the width of a pig and, and read about them being too narrow, just right, and too wide, uh, a little bit like Goldilocks here with the three beds. But what uh, what would you consider the correct width for a pig to be? No doubt in the show industry, you will see extremes. The correct width can vary quite a bit. I mean, you can see pigs raised on poor feed, which will tend to be narrower, or you can see pigs in the show ring that are definitely too wide what i really like on when i look at a pig one of the things that i really look at is i like to see you know legs that come down square to the ground that are that are definitely wide that have what you'd call a chest floor that have got some 
good width between the legs. And then I like it from the top of those shoulders. I like the shoulders to be nice and wide, not too wide. And you just kind of have to see it. It's hard to explain without showing you a pig in front, you know, having a pig in front of you to show you what I'm talking about. But I like from the, from the back of those shoulders, I like a pig to carry that width nice and wide all the way back to the, to the rear end. Another common problem in show pigs is what they call bubble butts. These pigs that have these giant muscly butts. Mm-hmm. And I, I do not like that. I like to pig a pig to have a nice well-proportioned butt. When I'm talking about the back of the shoulders, I like a pig to carry width uh, all the way through his back to that hamloin, or all the way back to the hamloin junction. And I like that to, to flow right into his butt and not have a, just a massive but that is prevalent uh, in some in some crossbreeds. Okay. So. And, and an, another term I've read about is watching how a pig tracks. What does it mean to see how a pig tracks? You know, a lot of times these pigs, going back to the pig whip, when you've got a pig that is extremely wide, a lot of times they have a hard time carrying that whip. And a lot of times they'll kind of track outside of their skeleton you know, or they'll take their front feet, and because they are so wide, they've got to swing that front foot in front of their or in in to to keep themselves from falling over. And so that is definitely a, a dead giveaway when a pig is too wide. You know, as far as a pig tracking straight, it's just generally one that can walk real straight and and doesn't kick his legs out or bring them in too far to maintain balance. Okay. Well, let's shift and talk a little bit about the business aspect really quick for our 4-H and our FFA members. And we'll start off by just a general question. And I know you can't get really specific because there's really no way to know how it's going to go. But what, in a, in a ballpark fashion, what should a student or an FFA member be expecting to pay for their pig? Okay. Yeah, that is a good question. And that is something that varies quite a bit. So I will go over both extremes. I would say a minimum a minimum that a person should expect for a quality pig is going to be around 200 to, to 225. That is a minimum. That's the bottom end. You ought to be able to get a nice pig between 200 and $300. Sometime, you know, those that are wanting to be extremely competitive or they're wanting to win grand champion, they might do 300 to $400. But there are between two to $300. You ought to be able to get a nice pig. There are breeders plenty of breeders that are selling pigs for that. Okay. I myself would prefer going to, without doubt, I would prefer going to the breeder and talking to him, getting to know your breeder and getting his opinion because the guy, your breeder will have expertise. It does several things. It allows you to get to know your breeder and, and you learn a lot more just by conversing with the guy and you're not going to learn it all in one in one conversation, in one meeting. And that's hopefully another good reason to develop a relationship with a breeder is because throughout the years, by the time you are done with this, you will have a lot of knowledge on pigs. You will have a lot of knowledge on pigs. I I prefer having one-on-one with the the breeders. When I was, when I, and I still, I still back in the Midwest in Iowa, I've got two breeders in particular that when I need some of my maternal sows, I need these characteristics. I've got two breeders 
if I want to inject new blood into my herd, mm-hmm. uh, they're the two breeders I go to because I know and I trust them, and they've got reputations that are phenomenal. All right. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been great information, and I really appreciate you spending the time and sharing your expertise. You bet, Matt. I I uh, appreciate you calling me and giving me the chance to uh, talk about something that I love so much. Thank you all for joining us today, and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DMB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.